absolute privilege um, of, of getting the word from, from Hans. If you haven't had any interaction with him before, <laughs> you're in for a treat this morning. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, but Hans, just before I pray for you, I, I really just want to say, like, we, we receive you. Um, we receive the gift that you are, the gift that you carry. Um, yeah, and you part of us, and we, we love you, and we're excited to, to see what it is that you're going to bring this morning. Yeah, so Lord, yeah, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you Lord, that you are on him, God. Thank you for that which you've placed in him, not just in terms of this message, Lord, but as a messenger that has been shaped by you and formed by you, God. Um, pray that you would anoint his lips, yeah, and open up our hearts, God, to receive the things that you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Wow, the bar is not high, eh? my word. Okay. Good morning, everybody. We're doing a series in um, John, 1 John. Everybody aware of that? We had some intermittents, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Kala, you've done two, I think, eh? and um, I'm the third one. Oh, my word, I'm not used to this kind of... Um, John, he's an old man, 90 years when he writes this letter to the church. I think it's one of the last letters that was ever written to the church. And you must really feel the heart of John in here, a grandfather speaking. And he's talking to the church with love, with compassion, but also with a sense of, ooh, if they don't get this right. <laughs> I hope they're going to get this right. I hope they're going gonna, to... Feel what I'm saying. Oh, someone's playing with, uh, is it me or what is it? I must have put it there. Oh, my word. Okay. And John writes to the church and he writes very intently because multiple times he says, I've written to you. So people sitting here, are you talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. I'm writing to you, to you, to you. I'm writing to you, young children. I'm writing to you, young men. I'm writing to your fathers. He's very intentful with the message that he has. And he's very extreme. Have you ever met an extreme grandpa? This is an extreme grandpa. He is wild. Because he says, you're either light or you're darkness. Either you've got love or you've got hate. Either you're saved or you're not. And in this letter, he doesn't give doctrine. He's not doctrinal. You want doctrine, go to Paul. He doesn't. He talks about your heart. He talks about the core of your being. That is his message. And he's got four tests in that sense in the whole letter. One is doctrinal. Do you believe that Christ is man and God? So important, because every spirit who doesn't confess that Christ came in the flesh is the Antichrist. Do you believe, do you know the person of Jesus Christ? Doctrinal test. Now the test is spiritual. So if you go through the book, it says, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you have his anointing? Because if you've got his anointing, you can rely on him to teach you all things, he says. Do you have that experience? Yesterday I watched a, a, a testimony of Brackett Cook, a guy who comes in a church with, with hardly any Christian background. 
And there's a, a message, and he says, ah, oh, you know what? It's normal that they pray. It's let I go forward and pray. And he goes back in his seat, and he says, all of a sudden, whoom, the Holy Spirit fell over me, and he convicted me of sin, that I needed salvation. Do you have that in your life? The most terrible thing is if you proclaim to be a Christian, you continue living in sin, but you have no conviction any longer. That is the most dreadful thing. And he's saying, do you have that in your life? Do you have that testimony of the Spirit in your life that comes and, and, and points out in which direction to go? Do you have encounters? That, that's one test. Then the other test is a moral test. A moral test. Did God change your life? <laughs> Did you stop sinning? He actually, that extremely says, if you're a child of God, you cannot sin. Uh, and when you do, you need to confess quickly, and, and God is righteous to forgive you all your sins. But you can't sin anymore. It, your sinful behavior starts bothering you if you're a believer. If that is not there, then there's an issue. So he, he, he's a radical dad, a granddad. He's, he's whoa, issue. Uh, invite them over for Christmas. <laughs> That's going to be fun, isn't it? <laughs> but that is John's heart. He's, he's compassionate about the well-being of the spiritual state of a church. So uh, the moral test, sin, does it really bother you that you still have addictions? Or are you justifying it? He says it should bother you big time. Because Christ lives in you. It's a nice granddad, eh? Oh, my word. And then he has a social test. And the social test is, do you have love for your brothers? Because you cannot say you love God and not love your brothers. Oh. Do you love your brothers? Not everybody here is as equally easy to love. But do you love them? Sorry? I'm the easiest. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But do, do you have love? The social one. Do you have love that God has? Have you tasted his love? And are you able to bring it forth to others? The love test. So those are the four tests. <laughs> a doctrinal test, a spiritual test, a moral test, and a social test. But we're not going to talk about that today. Because <laughs> the scripture that we're going to talk about is about a whole different category. This is not about are you saved or are you not saved. This is not about do you have your doctrines right. This is not about do you love your brother. This is not social. This is not any of that. This is a whole different category. And this is about your spiritual maturity. Where are you in your growth? So let's read it all together. I'm going to read it from my Bible. It's 1 John 1. Verse 12 to 14. It's on the side. Yeah. So let's read it all together. So, 1 John 1. Uh, 1 John 2, sorry, verse 12 to, to 14. We sort of, I don't know, color cut up the, the, the that Bible, the 1 John in pieces, and sort of allotted me three verses. Don't feel sorry. 
There's a lot to say about it. <laughs> so I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. You see that I write to you? I'm writing to you. Um, because your sins are forgiven uh, for your names, uh, for his uh, name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. You see the three categories, fathers, young men, and children. There's one danger with listening to a preaching like this, is that you start listening on behalf of others. Don't do that. Don't go later after church, that was good for you, eh? It's, we must really make it and say, Lord, will you speak to me? Will you convince me? Will you talk to me? Right? Because this is, I'm writing to you, <laughs> young men. I'm writing to you, fathers. I'm writing to you, children. And this is all about your maturity. This is really a full stop. While he's testing you, are you in the faith? He's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now that we've established you're in the faith, where are you in your growth? That's the question here. And about little children, he says, you known the Father and you know that you've been forgiven. No action required. Everything is done for you. Children are needy. Babies, little children need help. They get saved and they get forgiven and they know the Father. Young men, he says, you have overcome the wicked one. And he says it twice as if he wants to accentuate. That's an important one, that you overcome the wicked one. And we'll talk a lot about it just now. You are strong, and the Word of God abides in you. But for all three, action is required on your behalf. Other people cannot do that for you. You can try, listen to a lot of YouTube videos, but only when you read the Word yourself, the Word will start abiding in you. Only when you start rejecting the devil, <laughs> he starts giving up on you. Only when you practice your faith, you become strong. You see the difference between a child, needy, gets everything done for him, he gets baptized, he gets delivered, he gets all the stuff. But young men, all three things that are said, action on his behalf is required. Ooh. I thought church was therapy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> then fathers. Fathers have length and depth of experience with the father. You can only be, be a father if you know the father. And that is the growth that is in store for every one of us. Now, a word of encouragement. Does anyone know which was the first book uh, that, of letter that was written to the church? James. James starts, blessed are you 
when you fall into all kinds of tribulations, because patience, endurance, it will bring forth fruit. John writes it, and I want you to see that. I've written to you because you have. Because you have. And this is 50, 40, 50 years later. And he most likely he writes to the same church. I've written to you, young men, because you have overcome. That, that be joyful because you fall in all tribulations have made you come to a place where he can say with confidence, I've written to you, young men, because you have overcome. Because you have been strong or become strong. Because you have the word of God abiding in you. There's 40 years in between. Do you see the difference? The one says, I'm, I'm confident you can do it. And John says, you've done it. But, but, but I believe that we're somewhere in between. Or I think so. Good. So little children to fathers, how do we get there? Well, one of the things is we need to move from my interest to God's interest. We, we, there's a big difference by following God because it benefits you and to follow God because it, it's, it's his purpose. It's for him. What is God's interest? Have you ever wondered? God, what is your interest with, your, with this church? What do you benefit from us? Do you know that we are his inheritance? Do you know that we are his bride? Do you know that we are here for his pleasure? <laughs> and only when you get that, you start to understand, oh, wait a minute. It's, it's actually, God is not here to serve me. I'm here to serve him. And that is what happens when you grow up. You get that realization. Babies need nurturing control, but fathers are able to equip and release. Yeah? I just want to drop some things there, but I'm going to move on. Little children. I have something to say to little children. I had to choose and pick what do you say. And the thing I really have on my is don't stay a child. Don't stay there too long. Grow up. The ugliest thing is uh, someone who still is a child but has become old. Simpson was one like that. He received power, anointing. He was a man of God with a calling on his life. But selfish as can be. Oh, my word. He was there to protect Israel against the Philistines. And his girlfriend was a Philistine. He knew he needed to stay poor, of, of, of pure for God. No grapes, no nothing. No, he wasn't allowed to drink wine because he was a Nazarene. And where does he walk around? In the vineyard. He was always looking for the gray areas, the things that were just, just allowed. And he was using his anointing and his thing for his own pleasure and his own glory. That's what children do. They're selfish. It's okay if you're a child, but grow up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a simple word, isn't it? <laughs> the, the people get it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I don't mind if you say amen, by the way. I like that. Might just get spicier then, but that's okay. Good. Screw tablet is about young children growing up. This is a, a conversation between two demons about trying to keep Christians in the state of infancy. Because then they said, then we don't have to do it. 
do anything because then they'll destroy themselves. That's their, and I, I think it's so true. So this is one demon to the other demon. He, God, wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand. And if only he will walk, the will to walk is really there. He, God, is pleased even with their stumbles. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, not only desiring but intending to do the enemy's God's will, looks around upon the universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Wow. Did you get that? I think it's so profound. God has to let go in order for you to walk. And it, some people will have an experience like, where is God? Well, he wants you to walk. <laughs> Why has he left his hand for me? So that you learn to walk in faith. So that you have to practice your faith muscle. And that is the first steps from a childhood to maturity. Learning to walk in faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. Good. All right. Young men, are you ready? You have overcome the evil one. Good. I'm going to tell a story about myself. Because when I was young, I joined um, a youth of the mission. Lots of young people coming together, full of zeal, full of power, full of vision, prophecy, and <coughs> all of it. We were so full of ourselves, um, full of self-ambition. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> and I remember having really good friends, and we would tell each other how good pastors we would become and do it so much better than the rest. We would be sure we would do it. Oh, my word, we were so sure about it. And we would visit big conferences where we would go run to the front the first for prayer and receive the most wonderful prophecies. It was great. Awesome. But something started bothering me. I says, Lord, <coughs> Holy Spirit, something doesn't, I don't know. I know we're going to do all these great things for you, but but something doesn't feel right. Will you show me? And I prayed that prayer, very dangerous prayer to pray at the end of Psalm 139. Lord, will you show me if there's a way in me that's not right? So I'm at this conference with my best friend staying in a tent. And that night I get a dream. And God gives me a dream about two trees. And the trees are beautiful. Little trees, three leaves each. And God asks me, which tree do you want to be? He says, well, they look the same. How can I choose? <laughs> the next picture is the other tree is, doesn't have three leaves. It's got five leaves. And the other one has got 40 leaves and some fruit. And God asked me, which tree do you want to be? Oh, well, uh, it's obvious, isn't it? But I didn't say anything because I thought, you know, <clears throat> let me rather stay quiet. Then the next picture, the tree on the left had one little little fruit, 20 leaves, but the other tree, oh my word, it was a big tree. 
had lots of fruit and had, had, had birds of heaven coming. And I was justifying myself, but Lord, you want us to bear much fruit and, and you want us to be planted by the streams. Of, of course, you want me to be the big tree. And the Lord said again, which tree do you want to be? Which tree do you want to be? And finally he said, Lord, which tree do you actually want me to be? What, 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 what do you want me to be? Why would I want something that you don't want for me? Which tree do you want me to be? And the next day, the next picture, the tree on the left had a little bit more fruit, slightly bigger, but the tree on the right that was so big had fallen, and it was fraught on the inside. And I remember that the next day I broke my friendship with my friend because I knew I had to leave that friendship. And I actually went into a time of repentance and said, Lord, forgive me for, 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 for going after the gifts and not after the giver, going after the power but not the, the one who has the power, not, and, and not having my motives right. My friend went on to become a pastor at 20 and start a whole mission and and he, he had, uh, and, and he often phoned me, Hans, you could have been, whatever. He had a great fall. And his ministry broke down because of immorality, financial mismanagement. It was horrible. It was in the front pages of the news in the Netherlands. I could have been there together with him. I could have been. And it makes me so humble that the Holy Spirit will teach us how to grow. That the Holy Spirit will teach you what decisions to make in your life if you ask Him. And we have to do that. God is a checker of your heart. The Bible says we don't even know what's going on in our heart, but God knows. Oh, my word. I haven't been saved once. I've been saved many times. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. The other test. Oh. Growing in maturity is not a race against time. It's a race against yourself. <laughs> it's the Paul test. When Paul got saved, you know what he did? He went to the desert. He went for three years to Saudi Arabia. And he walked there most likely the route that Israel walked on the way to the promised land. Do you know when he came back? And he says it beautifully. You must read it in the beginning of Galatians. When Christ was, was revealed in me, only then I came out of the desert. There are people here who complain about their desert and you have made it your aim to get out of the desert. Make it your aim to get Christ in you. Make it your aim to have Christ revealed in you. Because that's why you're there. It's because God wants to form you. Don't make it your aim to get out of the desert. Make it your aim to get Christ revealed in you. Yeah? That's the desert test. And the interesting thing, you've overcome the evil one. Jesus was in the desert. And when he passed the test, it says, and the devil left him. What? Did Jesus need deliverance? No. 
But he needed to prove to the devil that that devil had no hold on him. And that's what he says. The devil has no more hold on me. When Christ is revealed in you, the devil gives up on you. That's the result. And the Bible says, and <laughs> young men, I've written to you because you've overcome the evil one. That's not deliverance. It's the devil giving up on you because he has no more. He's tried all his tricks in the book and all of them failed. So now the texts are from the outside, no longer from the inside. And that is your challenge. <laughs> To make sure that the devil has no more hold on me. You sing it, the devil has no more hold on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> ah. And that's the desert test. Okay. And after that, he went for 15 years as a tent maker and just preached here and there a bit. Paul, how many people honestly think that the 17 years that he spent in its Galatia, he, he spent his, his place all over in Syria and Cilicia, and he spent three years. When I first read it, I thought, what a waste of time. Be honest. 17 years in the life of Paul before he started his ministry that was ordained by the apostles and they sent him out. 17 years. But was it wasted? Oh, my word. It wasn't. It wasn't. So that's, the, that's that one. Oh. Selfish motives and ambition present themselves as Christian virtue. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. We're very good at fooling ourselves. Oh, boy. Good. I'm not really looking at my good other test. And this is a test that I believe God is throwing at young men. It's the what do you really want test. What do you really want? What are you really after? That question is in the Bible to Solomon, where God says to Solomon, what is it that you want? And he says, well, uh, wisdom. Okay. Fool. Because he ended up with a thousand women and worshiping other gods. He had all the wisdom in the world, but he ended up. Do you know that I believe that God is actually asking all of us, what is it that you really want? David's answer is in the Bible, because his psalms are usually an answer to exactly that question. And he says, one day in your courts are better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Is an answer to the question is, what do you really want from me? Uh, psalm 63 says, my soul thirsts for you. And my flesh longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Does it resound with you? Have you come to the conclusion that what I really, really want is God? God had to teach Abram. Oh, I love that story. Why would God choose an old man and an old woman who didn't have kids to become heirs of the promise? <laughs> I believe one of the reasons it would be easy for them to get their motive right. But okay. So there is this conversation between uh, Abram. So did I say Abram? Abram, yes. Abram and God. And, and Abram says, so <clears throat> I'm very old. Um, so I don't have kids. So all the stuff that you give me, he's still living on the God blesses me type of faith. So but. 
what's in it really? What's, what's in it really? Because I can't pass on any, all the stuff that you give me. And then God answers, but I am your exceedingly great reward. <laughs> Did you get that? Our greed, great, exceedingly great reward is the fact that we know the living God who's from the beginning. That we have a connection with the all-living God who made heaven and earth. That is our reward. That's it. The rest is detail. Jesus says, first seek the kingdom of God. and You'll find the kingdom of God by knowing the king. And all the rest will be added unto you. When you grow in maturity, that becomes right. Yeah? That, that, that shifts. It's actually, it's actually really about God. <laughs> it's actually really about him and me. You are strong. He says, you're strong. Young men, you're strong in faith because you had to exercise your faith. You're strong in your desire to God because you've noticed that nothing else satisfies. Young men and young people, you're strong because your understanding of the word is growing by digging deep in it. You're becoming strong in love because actually you've met people that needed to be loved and you've done it. You become strong in righteousness because you overcome your sin and your your temptations. You've become strong in it. And you've been, become strong in Christ. Your identity of Christ is formed in you. That's the call for young men growing up. I want to read something from Derek Prince. I always love Derek Prince because he doesn't mince his words. Sorry, why are you waving at me? Oh. <laughs> Okay, good. So this is, this is out of a biography of Derek Prince, and someone is interviewing us, and Derek Prince says, I really do not understand. And then the interviewer, I know you don't understand because you are uh, from a different generation. So you really mean you did not have any passion that drove you, no dream for your future? And then Derek Prince says, I did have a passion, but it was to follow the Lord. We thought differently in those days. We wanted to know the Lord and live ac according to his will. We believed that the future would unfold itself if we were faithful from moment to moment. Uh, so the interviewer, so you had no ambition, no desire to take hold of your destiny? And then Derek Prince, I can truly say that any form of ambition was foreign to me. With this, I do not mean that I did not have hope for the future or lack of spiritual passion. I simply was not led by my personal ambition. When it comes to destiny, I think this term is often used as a smokescreen to build your own kingdom or as a justification for the fleshly desire for power. Ooh, spicy. Do you think we are made for a purpose? The interviewer asked Derek Prince. Say yes. Our purpose in life is to know the Lord. The meaning of life is relationship. The future will unfold as we strive after him, not after the future. And then 
but you know, it's very popular today to talk about destiny and the promise of purpose in Christian circles. And there have been, I know that. I remember a well-known Christian magazine which had lots of advertisements about the dynamic manual, prophetic conference and seminars where you could get to know your destiny. I felt like, um, it, 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 to me, it felt like a kind of prostitution, an alternative reality up for sale. When I was finished reading, I needed a fresh shower. So in your days, it was different. It says, this I can say, um, the hope burning in my heart was the Lord, to know him and to do his will. It is up to him through my obedience to shape my future. Wow. So, young men, I've got a word for you. Keep on going. <laughs> Don't stop. Keep on going. Keep on pursuing Christ in your life and face the challenges that the devil throws at you. But stop blaming the devil for everything, please. Do you know the story of the devil who sits outside of the church bawling his eyes out and some of the pastoral team goes outside to counsel the devil and the devil points to the church is inside there they blame me for everything. Oh, that's sometimes true, isn't it? Stop blaming your sin on the devil. Stop blaming your wrong motives on the devil. The challenge is on you on your heart to be changed. Yeah? Good. Um, so, so what should we strive for? And I actually want to read Romans 2, verse 7 to 9. Am I doing okay with time? Five more minutes? Romans 2. Oh, I'm going to read it from there. So eternal life to those by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory honor, and immortality. Good. That's something. Glory. He says we need to look for glory. Can you go back to, to the one? Glory. God's glory. How is God going to receive you in heaven? With glory? Are you going to see his glory? Are you gonna, is he, is he going to be happy with you? Are you going to seek his glory, his honor? Are you seeking his honor? And are you seeking immortality? These are all eternal things, by the way. When you grow older, you start to realize you're living an eternity. And that what's happening there, we will be what, we've, what God has been able to make from us over here. Yeah? Okay, we're going to leave the, uh, the rest of that scripture. I quickly want to say something about fathers. Because the fathers feel a little bit left out till now. Isn't it? I'm sorry. John starts by saying, we've seen, we've touched, we've felt, we, 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 we've been infused. Fathers have believed when it was difficult. Fathers have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Fathers have touched the heart of God, and they've been touched by Him. Fathers have seen the manifested presence of God in their lives. Fathers have witnessed God in other people's lives, 
and through it all, they've remained in the faith. They keep on going. They know not just the works, but also the ways of God. They understand God better. That is what is, that's why elders are meant to lead a church. Oof, it's horrible if young men or kids lead a church. And the disasters that we, we've all have seen are usually caused by immature people in leadership. Yeah? But this is what fathers are called to. I believe fathers walk with a limp. Because just as um, Jacob had to fight with God, they had their battles with God. And they said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But I'm going through such a hard time at the moment. But you need to bless me. Without that, I, I cannot do it without your blessing. Before that, Jacob was the deal maker. He could get out of any situation. But after God hit him, <laughs> and you must read the story. He was so afraid of his brother Esau. He and his wives went first because then he knew God was with him. But his plan was to let the army go first, just in case. He, was the, he went from the plan man to the trust man. Because now I understand how the Father works. Hebrews 5 verse 14. This is for, for the fathers. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And um, I like how the other translations do it. The NIV, by constant use, have trained themselves. And the ESV, by constant practice. So my word to the fathers, keep, keep on going. Keep on using your faith. Don't stop. Don't stop. So the question that, that is, is actually asked is, in which direction are you going and are you moving? Don't stop. The saddest thing is that you've, you've been through so much and then you give up. I've seen, sadly, a lot of people give up. But don't give up. Keep on practicing. Keep on going. Church needs fathers. The church desperately needs mature believers. And you all have that calling to become a mature believer. Not a few. Everybody. Yeah? Paul says, you've got many teachers, you've got many people who want to tell you what to do, but you've got few fathers that are mature that you can actually learn from. Yeah, so what ticks the box of the Father? What ticks the box of God the Father? Have you ever wondered? Oh, there are many scriptures about that, but it says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Sadly, a lot of people think fruit-bearing is making disciples or getting people saved. Now, that's a different kind of fruit. The fruit that he's talking about here is you. The fruit that you need to bear is that you become like Christ. God wants a big family that are all like Jesus, all with their own personalities and different flavors, but where Christ has been formed. That's the fruit. That's the harvest is you. You are the harvest. <laughs> you are the one that he wants, like Jesus. 